Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. We hope everybody is having a great week. I am your host, Brian. I have my best friend and co-host, Ben Brandell, here with me today. We recently were very fortunate. We got to sit down and have an interview with a professional engineer. We have been wanting to do an episode about protecting our waterways. Water is the source of really all life. Without it, there would be no life. And we love water, and we think it's important to protect that. So we we're fortunate enough to get Brandon on the show, and we're going to share that episode today. I found it very interesting, the whole episode. I learned a lot. What did you think of it, Ben? I also learned a lot. You know, he is a good friend. I've known them, known Brandon Freeman for, well, most of my life, actually, if not all of it. So um, to, to really hear about his journey, to learn about what he does and the impacts that what he is doing, not only for us, but for everyone listening. Um, again, very educational. I cannot wait for you guys to get to hear it. Yeah, a little bit, bit about Brandon before we jump into the interview with him. Uh, he is a civil engineer. He works for the city of Springfield here in Springfield, Missouri. He really has a passion for protecting our waterways. He's been doing this exact thing as a professional engineer for 15 years. We're so excited to share what we learned with him. He's going to share what he's doing right now to protect our waterways and then some ways that we can all take part in protecting those waterways as well. So here is Brandon Freeman, professional engineer for the city of Springfield, Missouri. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us today. We are so glad you're here. We're excited to dive into this topic and hopefully some people will have a better awareness about how to protect our waterways and what uh, professionals do to protect our waterways every day. So Brandon, Welcome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your history uh, in engineering? Yeah. So uh, I grew up in uh, Spokane, Missouri area. I uh, went off to uh, Missouri University of Science and Technology, Missouri S&T. Back then it was the University of Missouri Rolla. Became a civil engineer. Uh, first five years out of school, I worked uh, at a firm called Algar Martin. I did uh, water wastewater design. So I'd create uh, construction plans for upgrade projects. Uh, see it through construction, and then spent some time at a small consulting firm, uh, did a lot of inspection work on sanitary sewers and finding problems and turn it into uh, fixes. And then now I've been at the city of Springfield, um, environmental services for about eight months now. Awesome. So what? that's probably kind of a change doing private for so long, and then all of a sudden you end up here with the, a government agency. Was that a, a big change for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, For me, it was being able to tap into my passion of, of, of truly making a difference um, and kind of taking the, the aspect of making a profit out of it. Now it's, it's uh, how do we serve our customers? Um, before my customers were uh, the city, I worked mm-hmm. as a consultant and now my customer is the about 90,000 service connections that tap into our sewer. They are my customer. Yeah, well, and, and there's a place for both, both the private and the government, because one one couldn't really exist or or do it all without the other. So there's definitely a place for both, and now you're getting a, a, a taste of both worlds, which is really cool. If you don't mind sharing, what what is your title uh, in your current role? Yeah, so uh, the title now is professional engineer. They keep it pretty simple. Yeah, so. professional engineer. So <laughs> so with that, let, let's get to know professional engineer yeah. Brandon Freeman a little bit. If you could live anywhere in the entire world, where would it be? All right. So you're going to laugh at this because <laughs> it, uh, not too far from where you live. I, I said Red Bridge Road. Red Bridge Road. I want to be on a bluff overlooking Bull Creek and there's nowhere else I want to be. So water is near and dear to your heart. It is. You know, my, I think Ben probably went there when we were younger, but mm-hmm. my great grandpa had about 150 acres. Uh, it's no longer in the family, yeah. but, uh, it's just beautiful. And I, I talked to somebody at work the other day and it's, uh, asked the question because you know she lives on bull creek i said would the james river look like bull creek if springfield and nixa rogersville willard that never happened right so the, the, the larger municipalities at the head of the waterway yeah with all the erosion all the the inhabitants the runoff increases um, with impervious surfaces so yeah. i think the answer would be yes i think it would still be <laughs> so what you're saying is humans greatly impact this. water yeah. for sure for sure. Um, 
So becoming a professional engineer, you know, what, give us an insight to what that type of person, the skills, the character, what subject in school was your favorite growing up? And then what subject were you the best at? That could be the same thing, but uh, not always. I would say uh, the subject I like, subject I best I was best at, it was uh, math, algebra, physics, calculus, and not English, not <laughs> art, not literature. So I, I, I don't read a lot of books. And I, I think the, the typical engineers are stereotypically, and I, I, can, I can match this sometimes. You've met a few is what you're saying. Yeah, they uh, typically can be socially awkward have some course of their personality yeah. <laughs> it's just it's it's a very analytical in your brain a lot of thinking problem solving yeah. um tinker specific skill set yeah. for sure so. well good well if you're if you're listening to this and you're going through school now and you're great at math maybe engineering is a, a great way for you to have uh no wouldn't necessarily it can be a lucrative career but a stable career um, and one that has positive impact for humanity. So mm -hmm, that maybe sure. if, if that fits you, what he just said, that would be a, a great thing to consider. So did you always want to be an engineer? And was <laughs> if you will, if yes or not, was it always wastewater and stormwater that you wanted to work no, in? No, no, no. I, I don't. I, again, I was good at math, uh, you know, and, and I, I had grandpas in construction. So mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time on construction sites. So that appealed to me. That's how I landed in civil. Civil yeah. is typically anything that helps humans survive and live in the built world you know the the roads water wastewater stormwater um, as far as engineering it just you know my parents were saying you're going to go to college and the math teacher was saying i think you'd be a good engineer and i was like that sounds good yeah i'm gonna be an engineer Matched up. yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> so i guess I, I get asked that a lot and i wish i had like one of those magical stories yeah. but i just don't so. no that's that and that's but, okay but i love it so yeah and and you've been with it you've been doing it for a long time and i'm sure you've learned a lot through it so god god works through all that through your teachers through your parents to to put you where he needed you to be in and i definitely think that with the work that you've done and the impact you've had that you are definitely where you need to be what about the you know like you said in civil engine in engineering in general there's there's so many disciplines but you have been very consistent. You started in stormwater and wastewater, and, and that's where you're still at a decade and a half later. So what attracted you about that, or did you just kind of fall into it, which, hey, new guys, this is what you're doing? Well, why are you still doing that after so long? Yeah, so it, it's pretty simple. I, I I get this job. I'm doing design work. Um, I wanted to go into construction, but I found a job in design. And I'm sitting at a desk and I'm at a spreadsheet. Things that I actually really love now. I don't get to be at my desk very often, but <laughs> I actually like doing the work. Yeah. I was out of school and I was like kind of done with doing actual engineering work. I was like construction. I want to be on a job site. I get a design job and I'm at my desk every day. I worked at a place that had no windows. Well, there was an older guy that came by and said, Brandon, when his, his name was Mad Dog. I had to call him <laughs> Mad Dog. Every said, good office oh, has Mad a Mad Dog. Dog. I said, Mad, Mad Dog came with us. I said, you going to be my new floor monitoring guy. I got a job out in Kansas. I said, okay. Yes, sir. Can I get out of the office? He said, yes, you can. And he put me down in the sewer and I installed a flow meter, which is a device that you can actually measure flow. And what we were looking for was how bad was this sewer leaking when it rained? Yeah. Um, so he put me on that. And I remember when I went back to download this meter and this sewer is just surcharged there's places where water's coming up out of and i'm like why is sewage coming out of the ground for one well i find out that i'm not i haven't found a new problem i've actually found a problem that's plagued the entire united states and at the time um epa was actually in the middle of a lot of big what they call consent decrees where they were suing kansas city st louis chicago every big municipality um, DNR in Missouri was going after a lot of municipalities to reduce what we call sanitary sewer overflows, which is um, sewage that comes up out of the system and bypasses the treatment plant where it all goes to get treated. It goes into the water that we play in. Is what you're saying? Yeah, and I, I think listening to these guys' podcasts, I, I talk to them about you know where some of their classes are because I know where some are near where they work, and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's not just it's sewage that. 90% of it's probably gone down the shower drain, the sink. It's, it's water. Right. Mm -hmm. It's the 10%. It's the other things you find in the sewer. Actually, the things that people aren't supposed to 
actually flush. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think that that's something we're definitely going to get into uh, for sure is those things that people aren't supposed to flush but do because uh, I want people to have a better understanding of that before we're done today. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned we we work and, and teach around waterways. I know you live really close or right on a, a waterway. You mentioned your dream spot to live a waterway. Water is so important to humanity. We recreate. We drink. I mean, life doesn't exist without water. At Mensby Outdoors, we love to play, to have fun mm-hmm. in water. So what is, what is your, you obviously had this thing sparked in you to protect water, but why? What's your favorite thing to do recreationally with water? Like, Well, I mean, now, you know, having a family, you know, I, I don't fish as much as I did when I was younger, but um, we do kayak a lot on the James. Um, so, you know, I, I want to make sure if my kid has a cut on their leg that yeah. just having their leg in the water is not going to give them a an infection is there ever some things that you know that you wish you didn't know when you're out there there's, there's a lot of things <laughs> that i wish i didn't know i i can't there's places in springfield i'm driving through and i see kids out playing mm-hmm. and it's middle of july they're out of school it's you know norm, normally you think man that this this kid's in the inner cities he's getting to play in this stream yeah that's awesome we we would advocate for that yeah but i also know of you know what happens sometimes with with uh industrial runoff places um a lot of it is springfield i work for springfield they do a great job of having multiple departments you know 20 different departments that each have an individual focus from industrial pretreatment to runoff to um where i work it's taken seriously it's not yeah it's not a laughable i I would say across the board springfield is an award-winning one of the best places as far as like urban water quality, hmm. but it's still hard to, you know, just, I, I think about, you know, what if somebody flushed the syringe right? and we have a sanitary sewer overflow, it gets south in the bushes and then that kid's up there trying to play around and some yeah, of these places dangerous. like you guys have talked about, yeah. our water quality is pretty decent for being an urban stream. Well, where you're, what you're talking about is we, we ran a, a stream ecology class and in that class, we taught the students that based on the organisms that you found there and the class that they fell in, you could actually get an idea of the water quality. And we actually found class one organisms, which told us that that water was pretty clean, mm-hmm. even though it was an urban environment. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a testament, probably 20 or 30 years of work and a vision to get make the, make the water quality better yeah. and to not... Not let the fed the feds as an EPA the the national water quality mm-hmm. federal agency not the local DNR like that that's really just the people in Springfield having a vision to make it better. So Brandon, you've been talking about sanitary sewer, but we really haven't defined that. We got a lot of listeners out there probably know the word sewer, maybe what's in the sewer, maybe not. But you threw in the word sanitary, so. Can you help us define what sanitary sewer is and means to, to us yeah, people? Yeah, so sanitary sewer is going to be the, um, so let's start at where if you live in the country, you're going to have a septic tank. You're, you're going to flush and it's going to go to a big tank. It's going to go to some pipes that are got holes in it and that water is going to leach out. So if you live in the city, you're going to have that same pipe, but instead of going to a tank, it's going to go from that pipe, usually a four inch pipe coming out of your house into a bigger pipe minimum eight inches and then from there until it gets to where it goes to where there's a treatment plant which is a big facility that actually processes uh, mechanical processes which is like removing solids chemical processes like adding chlorine or or uh so UV filtration light. and purification yeah yep. just just like you guys talk about what you need to do to make water drinkable we're doing that with the waste that goes in yeah, huge, huge scale, monstrous level. Oh, I mean, yeah, and it's to if you were to build a new treatment plant like Springfield has today, you, I, I don't even know, but it, you're probably looking at, I'll throw it out, eight hundred million. I don't even know. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're they're probably looking at a hundred million just to replace everything that's not working right now. That's incredible. So, so you're you're talking about a, yeah, a massive, massive facility, but completely essential and important for people to continue to living the yeah the lives that they have yeah and i actually you know we we a lot of places are starting to change the name i, I call them treatment plants wastewater treatment plants but they're starting to call them water reclamation facilities 
And if you kayak in the James River on a Saturday, you are 100% swimming and fishing and kayaking in water that came from the city of Springfield. Right. right. And you, you go want... past the Finley, you've now been, you're swimming in Nixon Ozark. Right. And all kinds of other towns upstream of there. So right. if, it, if they're doing their job and they are meeting the standards that they need to meet, or even like Springfield doesn't ex- ex- like exceeds, mm-hmm. does better than they're even asked <laughs> to do. It's actually adding water, you know, yeah. it's, especially when that water gets low. I've ran the numbers sometimes in the winter. It could be 40 to 50 percent. So you're adding flow water. during a drought time to a stream. So you're actually benefiting. Yeah. That's that's I didn't know that. That's that's a yeah. really cool benefit because then we get to still go out and do all our fishing and kayaking and things that we that we love to do. You know, you, you mentioned that some municipalities are just trying to meet the bare minimum you currently sounds like you work for one that's awesome that is that is going above and beyond and we all hope that that's what everybody's is doing that's what as much as we could ask from a government agency or any agency but what are what are things that you guys are currently doing right now to protect these waterways well I, I, it's easiest to start at the end of the treatment plant when it enters wilson's creek before it goes into the james um what the the method they use now at the end is to kill all bacteria. It's the last part of the process. Um, actually, the last part of the process, well, it kind of does it the same thing, but the last part of the process would be ozone disinfection. Not a lot of places actually use ozone in the U.S. Um, the other methods, you have chlorine. Mm. If you add chlorine to disinfect, just like you would in a pool, you have to actually add another chemical to get the chlorine back out because chlorine will actually kill fish. Yeah, you don't want that going down your... I would. Yeah. You think it would kill all kinds of phytoplankton and zooplankton and oh, all the microorganisms. 20 million gallons a day right? coming out of that plant, which is a lot of water. Mm-hmm. Then another method is UV disinfection, which is lights. Yep. Just like you see anywhere else. But ozone literally kills the bacteria. It doesn't just kill bacteria. It destroys, essentially at the particle level, it's destroying wow. those mac- So. It can actually, I've heard, I haven't seen, but there can be some type of dye pigment. Maybe there's a business that dumps it in the sewer and nothing else removes it throughout the plant facility. The ozone will be introduced, will actually break that pigment down to the point that you wouldn't even see dye anymore. That's fantastic. Wow. That makes me feel a lot better about about what they're putting out. (laughs) So are there any, you know, in the industry, obviously every industry they're trying to get better there's trying to be breakthroughs these these products that can make things more cost effective just more effective in general are there any industry breakthroughs now any products or processes that are there or close that you're really excited about yeah i think the there's probably two i thought of i can think of right now Um, one of them is trenchless technology and what that means is if there is a broken pipe and we have to dig down and let's say we're we're 20 let's say the worst case scenario we're on Grant Avenue, we're behind Parkview, we're at the intersection, right where everybody goes and they're getting in car line and it's morning. Yeah. Ton of congestion. And we got that pipe that's 36 inches. How about a, a right sewer pipe it. broke underneath yeah. the road? Yep. Yeah. And we have robotic cameras that we go through and inspect things at times. And we find, oh no, we have a major fracture right underneath the middle of the road. You got the traffic signals, all the conduit for the electrical. You got brand new concrete pavement. You got all that improvements. You're going to tell yourself, I don't want to dig that up. Yeah. It's going to cost potentially millions of dollars just to dig up and fix a sewer pipe. So one of the coolest things, it's been around for a long time, and it's a lot like um, if anybody's ever had a family member that had stent put in. Yeah. um, And for their heart. Mm -hmm. It's a lot like that. Uh, it's it's a pipe within a pipe, and the way they do that is they add it in it's this big flexible pipe essentially that they can they can put in there. They push it in with steam and, and air. They actually inflate it, invert it in, get that in there. They cure that, and essentially is a pipe. Now within the old pipe, they go back and cut out the lateral connections, and they've now restored. It's been around 40, 50 years, so nobody really knows how long this pipe will last, this this type of technology. Right. If you do it right, there's thoughts that it could last 100 years. Hmm. So, and most clay pipe, most sewers, 
the big cities, a lot of their sewers are put in in the central parts of town hundreds of years ago. But a lot of what the Clean Water Act in the 70s spurred that, hey, we need to build treatment plants. We need to build sewers. So there's some communities that got clay pipes. Vitrified clay pipe was a big thing back 50s, 60s, 70s. And that got put in. It was great stuff. But it's brittle. It breaks. Mm -hmm. So That's that kind of red, almost like a pottery yeah, it's, it's heavy-duty pottery yeah. is all it is. Yep. It's just thicker than pottery in your house, but it's it's the same thing. It's a ceramic. So and, and now the movement, if anything gets put in today, it's going to be made out of plastic. PVC. PVC, yep. yeah. And so the, the 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 lining, the trenchless stuff I'm talking about, when I say trenchless, it means you don't have to dig it up. And not digging a huge hole through yeah. the road. It so, sounds That sounds like a huge beneficial thing for sure. Uh, yeah. To save, to save money, to save time just the overall convenience and most importantly to get the sewage out of our water table would be the most important part of that. Um, so there's always misunderstandings, but I think with what you do that there's probably people that don't really understand and there's misunderstandings about wastewater in general and even stormwater, especially about which one is which when you're sitting there looking at the actual physical, uh, thing, but, what are, what are most people misunderstanding about what you do um, and what do you wish more people would, would consider? Well, uh, probably one thing I want them to consider is just because it's a sewer and you can stick it down your drain and just because we have a treatment plant doesn't mean that we can actually get whatever you put in there all the way to the treatment plant. You know, mm. So one example of that would be um, flushable wipes. Ah. Uh. You ever heard that? Uh, baby wipes that say on the package, well, flushable. Yeah, they say flushable. Yeah. They're not really flushable. Yeah. Well, they're flushable. They They'll go are, down is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> it, they, I mean, they're great. They're a great invention, um, but there's all kinds of new products on the market. I saw one the other day called Dude Wipes. Mm-hmm. So baby wipes for adults. Mm-hmm. Market it that way. Yeah. People are not going to stick those in their trash can. And they're going to flush them. Um, so what what happens is that goes down the sewer line, and that can eventually clog things up, uh, especially if we have roots intruding, which is a big thing we can talk about later. But a lot of roots get in our sewers too. If there's holes, if there's there's everything's not watertight, trees are going to want to find water, and they find water through sewers. Yeah. So you have these fingers, these roots. It, to me, if the best analogy I thought of before I showed up today, guys, was you have the root ball of in the, in the creek, it rains, and now everybody's trash, trash bags, junk, trash, gets caught on those root balls. That's mm -hmm. exactly what happens in the sewer. It's like a filter. Yeah, a strainer. It's a strainer. Yeah, it's a strainer, exactly. Eventually, the strainer gets clogged. Right. And then people keep flushing their toilets. Depending on where this is, you could have thousands of homes flushing using their home sewer. And eventually that backs up, comes out of the sewer, and we, we get a call. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm at Springfield, you know, somebody's going to get a call and say, hey, you have sewage flowing out on the street. Most of the time, it's not something, it's something that we did to ourselves as. Right. So what you're saying is that these, these packs say flushable, and they're not lying. They are flushable. However, that's kind of misleading because it's going to let you think, well, that's going to dissolve just like the toilet paper is, and it's not going to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and even some of that, uh, you know, in the camping section back in the day, they would put on there biodegradable. So for those that are taking out camping, even dude wipes, if it says biodegradable, you can bury those. So you're digging a cat hole, putting it in there, putting the dirt back over the top. That's completely different than flushable wipes that you're putting down the toilet because mm -hmm. those wipes are not going to dissolve into this nothingness. Well, they that actually quick. design them to, to not, they want to you know, probably disintegrate within seven days in contact with moisture or... Right. right. And, you know, you might have a couple hours that that wipe's got to get from your home all the way to the other side of town through millions of gravity-fed pipes. Mm-hmm. It's not going to break down. And, and a lot of times there are pumps. So, you know, if you were to take your pool pump, if anybody has a pool, take out the filter and stick a couple of those wipes in there. It wouldn't work very good. You'd <laughs> <laughs> a proper breaker, right? Yeah. yeah. That's what happens in our, you know, yeah. our pumps are just bigger. So in your sewer, uh, just so those of you who are listening understand, there are pumps in the sewer. Most sewer lines are gravity fed, but that's not always feasible with the topography. So anytime that sewage has to go 
uphill and gravity isn't going to be your friend. There has to be a pump to pump it up. Yep. Right. Yeah. And so, then one of the other things is just uh, people not realizing that, you know, Nixa, Ozark, Springfield, a lot of them are going to be the same. We don't, we don't, water, wastewater and stormwater are separate. Right. That's probably a big misconception. That Is that true for most municipalities, or is that just here where we live? Uh, the bigger ones along, like the Mississippi and the Missouri, were built over 100 years ago. They built what they call combined sewers, meaning... And if, Ninja I always Turtle people, sewers. Yes. <laughs> the, bit, the little channel, at the, you see it in a ton of movies. It's uh -huh. the little channel at the bottom. That's dry weather, is sewage going through the middle. It rains, the sewage and the stormwater mix together. It gets up high enough. Well, what happens? It goes to the river. Yeah. Oh. So, the old mighty Mississippi. <laughs> Yummy. <laughs> so, and that, that's another one. We have said this before. Uh, we've talked about it, this a little bit, which was the, the stormwater. So, I, I know that we've said about sanitary sewers and, and stormwater. So, the other day, I was at a gas station. And this gas station as a, is at least 25, probably 30 miles from... A river, like a river, maybe even a creek that I know of. But there where I'm parking, I'm right next to a uh, a lid. A manhole. A manhole. That's yeah. what I'm trying to think of. A manhole in the, in, in the asphalt, and it has a fish on it. And it's basically saying, I run to the river. Why, why do they have that when there's not a river <laughs> around that area? Well, because uh, it, not everything is going to break down in the environment. Because I think about this a lot, too. And I think about what, you know, we talked earlier about dog waste. Not on this show, but we were talking to you guys about dog waste. And mm -hmm. I was thinking, how how could you have people have their dogs poop in their yard? How does that eventually make it down to come where we can see levels, you know, of E. coli coming from canines when we don't have feral dogs running around most of the time? Mm-hmm. But there's enough concentrated volume of dogs in an area, and they're pooping on the surface, and it's making its way into springs underground and coming out miles away. It blows my mind, too, but I think it just it, it just goes to show matter is not destroyed. Matter is matter, so it's, that, that bacteria is eventually going to make its way. Now, you, you can, if you keep something in an area long enough, a depressed area, it might actually go into the ground and be treated naturally by the earth but so one thing i thought of earlier when you and you brought this up think about cousin eddie you know what i'm talking about right oh yeah yeah what, what does cousin eddie do with that hose he pumps it into a stormwater drain he does <laughs> and that's the ones that have that fish is that they're basically saying don't Especially at gas stations, you know, don't right. dump oil, don't dump sewage, don't. This is going to, to the river. Yeah. So to kind of clarify that for everybody, you have your storm sewer, which is for water that is from the environment, from the rain. It is going into that, and it is not going to the water treatment plant because it doesn't have poop and pee in it. So we don't need to pay millions of dollars to treat it. It's going straight to the river. The actual sanitary sewer is where all the waste is coming from your toilet. That needs to go to the treatment plant and be treated. We're okay with paying to get the poop out of the water before it goes back to our stream. It's all going to the stream, but just two different two different paths, basically. There's yeah. two roads. Well, I, you know, like I said, I've only been with Springfield for eight months and, and learning. I have like one focus area I do and I have Springfield has all these other departments that I'm trying to understand what they do. And I've learned about what they do with, do you guys know what detention basins are? Yeah, no, explain that. Explain the, a detention basin. Detention basins were built um, mainly as urban areas start to develop. You start to have runoff problems when you put in more concrete, more roofs. Water is moving faster, therefore it floods more and it creates erosion. So detention ponds were first put in about probably 30, 40 years ago. And really it's more of a standard now in most big communities that holds the water back for a period of time. And then it lets it out slowly. Well, what Springfield's done a little bit of is water quality. Meaning that now let's let's hold on to it for a little bit longer, let it get a little bit deeper. Your cigarette butts are gonna stay in there. Your you know, think about a, a parking lot at a gas station. You got the asphalt surface, you got cigarettes, you got trash, you got oil. Well, if you have that detention pond and all that water goes to that detention pond and it gets held there for four, 24 to 48 hours. 
well that that's going to settle out and now we can you know that oil is not going to go up over it's going to stay at the top of the water surface all the solids are going to go down and then periodically what you do is you go in and remove all that sediment all that trash and actually take it to the landfill so it's not going and i think one thing i thought of too when you talked about the stream being miles away what's the stream to the person that lives what's the ditch of the person that lives so like to me i've always had to expand everything from just rivers and streams that we know of as they're named mm-hmm. you know somebody's <clears throat> pond or somebody's ditch or somebody's yard that water flows through downstream of you is just as important to that person as yeah well, that's a good perspective because water <clears throat> water is around everybody there's no matter where you live there's some mm-hmm. way that when it rains <clears throat> excuse me water has to go by um and get to the stream brandon the next thing i want to ask you is what can individuals what are simple things that we as non uh civil civil engineer professionals what can we do to make your job easier uh probably when it comes when it comes to just the sanitary sewer um anything that we have that could have been prevented and it was mainly caused by you know the users of the sewer so i'm talking about you know flushing certain things that you know we're not supposed to you're you would we would say we wouldn't want you to flush yeah um the non-flushable wipes flushable wipes feminine products uh grease shop towels t-shirts hot wheels cars <laughs> army men yeah um you name it uh rocks um sticks uh letting your kids go out and take manhole lid covers off and dump stuff just because it's fun i don't have anything better to do pieces okay. of plywood well it sounds like that's happened before yeah i mean I, I, multiple towns i've worked for um even city of springfield have seen it like the you know where we have an eight inch pipe and all of a sudden we got a dry weather overflow meaning it's not a wet weather problem we don't have sewers water getting into our sewer and causing an overload we, we just have sewage coming out on the ground because it eventually got so full didn't have anywhere to go because it was blocked and you eventually find a piece of plywood and you think this this cover is 24 inches that sewer pipe is eight inches how did they even get this 48 inch piece of plywood down in here (laughs) magic it's like it's like, you know, and so, some of that, like I, the, what I just described. Somebody would have had to been trying to disrupt that system. Yeah, a lot of times it's vandalism. Or yeah. It's just. So to me, when, when that stuff happens, there's so many people involved. We, we've got to send that first off. We got to send that to DNR. We, we've got to go out and fix it. We're pulling. You're probably involving 10 to 15 different people to get that fixed. It's not always easy. You know, you're putting somebody in danger. We got to, you know, let's say we, somebody goes in and fills a manhole full of rocks. That's probably a human going in there by hand and picking up rocks. Yep. So citizens are paying somebody to remove the rocks. That right there. But you're taking us away from what we really want to focus on, which is how to make the system better for you. Yeah. So I feel like it's, it's kind of (laughs) like... causing your own problems type thing yeah so So what i'm getting from that is that you can listen to this podcast and educate your kids on on what the system is and what it's actually doing and what those manhole lid covers are because a lot of people just they see those big steel round covers everywhere and they're like or cast iron i guess they are what what is that was it even go to and that's that that curiosity is kind of why people start flipping them open and they're like oh what can we throw down there so kids especially especially the the storm water you got the curb inlets mm-hmm. so they can actually get they can some of them are big enough where it's got a big opening on the edge of the road where the clown hides yeah yeah <laughs> i mean you talk about a movie that's going to get kids who want to go like so, that's <laughs> okay 50 percent of the kids are going to go nowhere near that curb inlet because they saw it yeah the other 50 percent are like let's go find him uh-huh. and, I, and I, I look i i had neighbors when i used to live in springfield and i had to go out there and get on to the neighbor's kids and their dad wasn't home yet and they were out playing mom was inside and they had taken the lid off i don't know how they got it off but they had taken the lid off and they were in this 10 foot deep thing and they had put a piece of plywood across two pieces of rebar they were trying to get to the bottom 
to get their soccer ball. Oh, their soccer ball to win the. <laughs> that's so dangerous. I was like, guys, like get out of here right now. But that, I mean, that's a fall risk. But yeah, let's think about the situation where you'd see a kid just playing around and like, you know, let's. Dad's got a bunch of leaves over here. Let's go throw these leaves in there. Mm -hmm. Well, those that's... leaves are gonna break down and. I, mean, I know I'm getting into like natural things that happen and probably not going to cause that much harm by putting leaves in, into but, a storm sewer, but those leaves could be covered by gasoline or they could be oil or and every little bit of pollution makes adds up. So at the end of the day, I, I think the answer is education, just teaching your teaching your kids what the manholes and storm drains and what they actually are and why they're there where you live so they're familiar and that's maybe that about. curiosity will keep them away from causing problems i think that that one that resonated with you is what i'm gonna keep telling like the treatment plant goes in the james river yeah 20 does. million gallons a day that was poop goes now into the river. yeah now you're fishing in it now you're swimming in it so with that, when we're out recreating in these waterways that the uh, treatment plants are, are discharging to, if we smell sewage, if we're out in the river fishing, what should we do? What action should we take? What precautions should someone take if they think they smell sewage when they're in a, a stream? Well, it's hard, it's hard because some natural processes, I mean, you could have places in rivers and creeks. I mean, it's like you could have a little body of water next to the creek that's got a little water in it and a deer died in it and right you know it smells like sewage or something i mean that so it could be mistaken is what you're saying yeah it could but, be a mud bottom that you stirred up yeah pretty good chance i mean the i mean one thing like if you're going out know what's nearby i mean don't you know don't get don't put in upstream of ozark's treatment plant get down a mile and then tell everybody to get out because there's sewage in it well right you're floating by the treatment plant, mm -hmm. but I smell that, yeah. It, you know, it's really like I, I thought like first get out, um, but definitely be careful. I mean, I, I'm not the best at, at you know. You guys probably know more than me of what to look for, but I mean, there, there are, the water quality gets really bad. It looks like there's no oxygen. You don't see any fish. There's, um, foam, brownish foam. Right. Um, you're still seeing clear, flowing, moving water, and 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 animal life around you're probably yeah. okay yeah what? okay and, and, and honestly like and what what people don't realize is like it could smell i mean sometimes coming out of treatment plants it, it could smell but it's it's been treated to a really high level mm -hmm. and it's probably it could actually be better water quality sometimes treatment plants are putting better water out of their treatment plants it just has an odor. Right. And, and depending on the facility, they may not. Like that ozone I was talking about with Springfield, you go look at the water coming off that plant, it looks like champagne. Hmm. And it smells like white water. Like that's what what, what it reminds me of. Like it's, it's almost like white water might have some ozone or something because it, it just kind of has this effervescence type. I wouldn't say that about any other treatment plant I've been to. Really? So <laughs> you, you think it is putting out like, really super clean water and oh, you, yeah, you wouldn't worry about hanging out around in the river around that discharge I, i'd put my kayak in the end of that treatment plant and that's good to know yeah, yeah. i'm so, gonna throw you a curveball here real quick this is uh one that just came to me while we've been talking and i just was if you take just a minute or so to kind of help explain why it is bad to have feces in our water is it just e coli if e coli is not present is it okay for feces to be in that water what is the actual um, problem what's what's so harmful about it because it's gross ben <laughs> well well what, yeah it is well, exactly no, but i'm it's, saying it's, is it the e coli is it the viruses and bacteria probably, that you're truly so here's the thing about civil engineers all right like we took one chemistry class and we took a little bit of biology um we rely on somebody else who's smarter than us in that area to de help develop equations that help us figure out what to do so i may not do a good job of this but i've Try to think of a few things um you know the think about think about a pond that has cows in it Let's, it's gross but i have been in it yeah. just so you know <laughs> <laughs> well so you have the bacteria in the feces but one thing about our bodies is we're expelling waste sometimes that's excess nutrients that our body did not uptake right and what are the nutrients you're going to have you know phosphorus nitrogen Nitrogen in many different forms. Nitrogen can come in three different forms. One of them is toxic to fish. 
Absolutely. So, yeah. No, that's great. That yeah, that's so ammonia is one thing that could be in there. So it's in our urine. So what treatment plants a lot of times are doing is converting. And this is something in the last 10 years that treatment plants have even started to have to meet limits to ammonia. 20 years ago, anything that floated table rock had to start meeting limits for phosphorus. So if you can look back at the James River and think, man, that thing is just cleaner. Than it. It's cleaner now than it was when we were kids. That's awesome. For sure. Yeah. Those fish had parasites. Those fish were, the smallmouth were white. Mm-hmm. They barely had any bronze. <laughs> they well, were I, ugly. I, I can remember a, a time when they said, if you catch fish out of the James River, do, do not eat them. And I, oh, haven't, yeah. I haven't heard that in a long time. And I know yeah. people who eat fish out of there all the time. So, so it's, it's a nutrient. I mean, the overload of a nutrient, it, it's going to deplete the oxygen. It's, and you're going to have all kinds of algae blooms. Yep. Then you're getting. Then it's going to affect the whole food. All those nutrients added to that food chain is going to yeah. affect the whole food chain from the and, bottom up. And you also got to think. I mean, we we eat, especially in the U.S. Like we we overeat. We you know so we we have to overproduce mm-hmm. animals for us to overeat. We have all kinds of pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. Think about the pharmaceuticals that our body we it goes through our body. We didn't uptake. Yeah. That that's. That brings up a memory to me. When I was an undergrad, we had a uh, we actually did a tour of uh, the wastewater treatment plant on the south side of town. And after the tour was over, our project was to go take water samples and test uh, there by the discharge. And to your point, the water was really clean. The only thing that we actually found that was left in the water was pharmaceuticals. Can you explain that a little bit and why that's so hard to get out? Have they over the last it's been a few years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to think we just we just got to the point that we can turn ammonia to nitrate yeah. and bubble it off back in the atmosphere. Phosphorus is very hard to remove, so it's not yet to the point that we that look. When I was a consultant, the best thing that could ever happen for us is a new regulation. Nobody yeah. knows how to solve the problem. Need to hire somebody to figure it out, right? Yeah. It's not yet got to the point that our federal government has said we are going to go after. There, there's also look up PFAS. Like I was trying to think of what that stands for, and I don't know. It's okay. PFAS. Mess it up. PFAS. 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 One of the biggest things that I've been told is uh, nonstick cooking pans. Uh huh. So I've heard. Of, I've started to hear some of this. That's like contaminating our groundwater. Yeah. That's a carcinogen. There's a lot of people screaming to stop eating, to stop using them. Make sure you're using uh, regular stainless steel or cast iron. I only cook in cast iron because yeah. of the things I've started to hear about the Teflon coating yeah. pan. I mean, some there there are some communities that they pull water from a river downstream. These are huge communities. They pull water downstream of where they discharge. Mm-hmm. Sometimes because it is a water reclamation facility and arid climates where it's it's going to be a drought and that water levels it's intentional they don't market this this way but it's to help their water cycle yeah. they need that that you reuse water so you're saying they discharge out of the sanitary or they discharge out of the water treatment plant and then below that downstream is where they're pulling their water for the city for well, yeah yeah so for, for people to drink and there shower is that the PFAS stuff the, those those chemicals that are human created chemicals that solve a need are now a problem and it doesn't get treated through the wastewater treatment plant and it doesn't get treated out of the water in the water treatment plant to Mm -hmm. be drank so now you could be ingesting right and and why i was asking that question is you know men to be outdoors we love to to take people outdoors uh we love for people to get outdoors and experience new places especially waterways and while we're out guiding and doing trips, you know, most of the time we're planning around river systems or creeks. That's where we're doing a lot of our activities. Yeah. And when we have to use the restroom, we we follow leave no trace principles where we're actually going to dig cat holes, be 100 to 200 feet away from water. But people that aren't holding to those principles, sometimes I've seen and heard people, they just do it wherever they want to. And and that's really that that problem that if, if you want to create change, you're going to have to do it yourself first. You know, follow those rules, get away from the water um, because it's not only is it impacting you, it's impacting so many other people. So I'm glad you answered that question. I know it was a crazy one, but it was good. Thanks. You know, we we were recently fishing, doing some wade fishing in a stream. And as we're going down the stream, 
you could tell there was a lot of flooding, but we we actually came up on a big, huge, I'm going to say a 10 or 12-inch diameter piece of PVC pipe. Mm-hmm. It was broke, disconnected on both sides, but it was stuck and sticking up out of the river. And I thought, huh, that looks like it might be a sewer line. Actually, he said, Ben, do you know what this is? Because <laughs> I do. I'm like, no, what is it? And, and as we kept walking, we actually had completely crossing the stream. We actually had to climb over another pipe that was mm-hmm. crossing the river. So my question to you is, could those be sewer lines? Is that wastewater? How do, <clears throat> excuse me, how do municipalities do that safely? How, I mean, obviously they have to cross waterways. How do they do that safely to keep the sewage from going through that pipe and into the river? Yeah, so don't know for sure. I mean, could it have been? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and even like first thought popped in my head is like, did you guys call the local, um, did you like mark a GPS location? And send that over to the city where you're at. No, because is that what we're supposed to do? What What do you yeah, do? Yeah, and I, I thought back to your question earlier. I mean, that that definitely passed that on. Because, yeah. And that, like I said earlier, like I in the middle of the day, I have to go start working on some problem that one of our citizens created. I got to go fix that, right? And that takes away from us. But I still like solving the problem. And that right there, if I was to get a call, if somebody says, you know, that's going to end up in somebody's desk like mine. Because, hey, this person called. Somebody's going to stick out on my desk, and I'm going to get real excited. <laughs> like I'm an FBI agent, and I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out. to the You get to go to the creek now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go fix that. Yeah. Like, and so I think, like, what probably happened, what can happen is you, a new subdivision goes in. This pristine development, nice land, going to build all these homes, and it's on the other side of the creek because – you can charge more for a lot when it's by a creek, right? Mm-hmm. So if somebody says, I want to develop that because it looks awesome. City sewers on the other side of the, the creek. Now they got to cross it. Engineer gets hired to draw up the plans. They shoot the elevation of the creek and they say, okay, we'll put this line in. Oh, no, we got to tie into the exist- existing city sewer and it's already there. So we got to build there. Well, it looks like we have about two. F- okay, well, if we have two feet of cover over the top of the pipe, great it gets built maybe there's only a foot and a half then what happens river flood erosion flooding then it gets exposed it's like a pothole right Mm -hmm. so now it's got six inches of cover which it needed the weight of that rock over that to hold it down i take that off eventually it gets exposed Mm. and now it's not flowing like it needed to i had a project down in arkansas years ago We, we found multiple locations where Somebody had these really big lots across these little creeks. They were kind of like wet weather creeks, but we found where their service lateral, their pipe that goes from their house to the city sewer main, their four-inch pipe, it had crossed those. And some of them were actually sheared off to the point that every time the person was flushing, you know, it was a creek that was, obviously they never visited this <laughs> wet weather. Shooting out and just shooting right out into the creek? Just Cousin Eddie style. Oh my goodness. Wow. And, and they, they didn't know. <clears throat> the city didn't know. And if they weren't putting a lot of solids through there, if they were doing the right thing and just flushing a lot of toilet toll paper was probably disintegrating. Everything was diluting. And so let's go downstream to somebody who has a kid, their kids go out and play in that creek. Right. Somebody's been pooping in their creek for years and they don't even know. And this, right. and this is not just not just feces we're talking yeah. about everything that goes down the drain right you know, just everything everything right and, so. and it's not really to alarm people but the things we're talking about should give you awareness that our sewer systems are tied to our streams all water is is tied to to itself so be on the lookout for the types of things that brandon is talking about and be on the lookout for the how you're affecting it the way you're living your life and not to get too far into survival, but just when you're outdoors and you're doing any kind of recreational activities, make for sure that you're taking, again, filtration, uh, purification. Take those items with you so that you are treating your water that you're drinking when you're outdoors. I, our cities are doing an awesome job of doing that for us. However, we're, we're finding that other areas down below could be contaminated. So, you know, like we've talked about in other podcasts, but Brandon... A uh, question that I have for you is, is the solution to pollution dilution? You just talked about the toilet paper, you know, and you're kind of talking about dilution there. Is the solution to pollution dilution? 
I don't think so. How come? I really don't. So, when I talk about the treatment plant, I would say the easiest way to explain it, it is a symphony. You go to look at a symphony that's got, you know, or even like you go at church, you got the, the band, you got the choir, you got the song director, you got all this stuff, right? So... That guy is up there, and he's telling everybody what to be. I couldn't even remotely be that guy, right? But the trumpet player has to do his job, the clarinet. Now take people. Now let's change that to bacteria, big concrete tanks, and filtration devices. I mean, so you, you start, there's 50 processes that could happen at a treatment plant, especially like Springfield, the size it is. So... 50% of that is bacteria. You you are actually taking that sewage and you're putting it into an environment. You're growing the type of bacteria that occur in nature, but you're speeding up that process. So you have all these bugs, living creatures that you need. People are literally under a microscope seeing if they have the right type of bugs they need to do what they need to do, right? So if we have all this rainwater in into our sewer, which we do, and it comes in so fast, well, those tanks weren't designed for that, right? So if it comes in too fast, all of a sudden that bacteria starts leaving the first tank and it goes into the second tank and it leaves and it goes to the James River. Now we've just put a bunch of bacteria and solids into the river first, but now we've lost our bacteria, so now our treatment goes down. So a lot of times that's the biggest thing people don't realize when we talk about leaking sewers and we get groundwater in and rainwater into our sewers is that it mess? Because a lot of people ask, even the engineers coming out of school, I've had as interns, they'll be like, so why are we so worried about this? If it's clean water coming in, won't it just make it cleaner going out? And then you have to have that talk with them. And you just watch their eyes light up like, oh my gosh, I never realized that. Like, mm-hmm. That's so, good. So yeah. The, the... So to summarize what you're saying it, to, to Ben's question is that if dilution was adding more clean water that's actually more damaging than keeping that clean water out of there because the processes that engineers and treatment plants use around natural organisms like bacteria, that's what cleans our water. And if we're pushing all that out of there, then that dilution is negatively affecting the water, not positively affecting it. So with expanding cities, you know, populations growing, cities growing, obviously we talked about aging infrastructure, what are some ways that engineers like yourself are going to keep up with the increasing demand? Yeah. Um, I think I talked about the trenchless technology earlier that we, you know, trying to fix our aging infrastructure. Uh, I, I think, I think I looked it up. We got 6.4 million feet of pipe in Springfield. Hold on. 6.4 million feet yep. of sewer pipe. And I'm not going to begin to even try to put a price on how much it would take to replace everything. Yeah, but or time. When you're replacing the, the sewer that's 20 feet down on the ground below, below a street, you got to start thinking about replacing the roads at the same time too, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say we're easily over a billion dollars is what it would take to just, you know what? All our sewers leak. You know, let's just go fix them right now. Yeah. Just, I've, I've been to City County, not Springfield yet. I don't it's not feasible. Them. I've been in... Places where the city council has said, well, Brandon, what? you keep talking about this problem. Let's just replace it all. Like, okay. <laughs> well, let me you get you a quote out a on nice that. Way to say, <laughs> yeah. Do you have 30 million? Because I'm talking to you about spending 500,000 to yeah. fix the problem. So, um, trenchless technology helps us fix. So, the other part of it is, is knowing where to fix and fixing the right pipes at the right time. So, probably the biggest thing that I'm excited about is just, um, a lot of people, when I explain this, they're like, you sound lazy with it. Like, you're just, you're trying to work yourself out of a job? And I'm like, yeah, I am. Like, I spent a lot of time compiling, exporting data from one piece of software, compiling it into another, trying to get it to join to another. I'll spend eight hours to something with my experience. Now, I can, I can once I get the data compiled, I can look at it within 30 seconds and say, now I know what the problem is. Yeah. So it's about using computers. You can call it artificial intelligence. You can call it machine learning. It's just math, and it's kind of like a spreadsheet. You just teach a computer to do the same. The things that you can teach a spreadsheet to do, you can program and code. And to me, it helps us 
start spending more time analyzing the data to figure out what we need to do versus compiling the data, which in this age, most cities are, are spending a lot of time. And Springfield's awesome because they have a huge team. They continue to grow the team. They have a good funding source. They, the citizens are, you know, keep letting us raise rates. And so we're building bigger, bigger team of people. Not all municipalities have that. So to me, that's probably the best thing is start using our computing power. Yeah. You know, the cloud-based stuff, cellular data. Um, so it's, that's kind of what I hope to accomplish. You're talking about growth and things to change and growing teams. You know, I'm sure there's a need for more professionals in your field. So if someone is considering a career in civil engineering that wants to go impact waterways and things like that you do, what, what would you tell somebody considering civil engineering? Well, I mean, engineering in general, there's so many different aspects to so many, even beyond civil, there's all kinds of different engineering, but kind of what I, what I was thinking is beyond just being an engineer, there's over three to 400 people in environmental services. So there's only maybe a small subset, five to 10% they're engineers. Right. So I would say, you know, if you like working on a car, and you like water, I got a job for you. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't necessarily have to meet. I couldn't meet one person that's young right now that says, this is what I like to do. I could find them a job. Right. I couldn't find them a job. I may have to get some training or or certification first, but I could show them a path that, you know, marginal, you know, there's obviously working for the government. It's not the most highest paid, but typically the people that, end up in those roles are very passionate and are focused on the, the mm-hmm. why, not necessarily making money. So if you're passionate, um, a lot of computer jobs, geospatial information systems. So there's a path to have the impact and effect that you're having without necessarily going to civil engineering school is oh, what you're saying. Sure. Yeah, that's great. So if you could share one thing with people, if there was just one thing people had to know about what you do, what would that one thing be? <laughs> Oh man. That's a tough question. Yeah. I would say like just just take the opportunity to go to the treatment plant. Oh. Drive around. Yes. It's freaking cool. I agree. I, like I said, uh, I toured I it in college. Taken, I have not I've been in some classes, you know, where we go out there and I've already seen it. And I'm an engineer, so like I, I'm not seeing anything I haven't seen before. You're a little jaded. <laughs> yeah. We got like the police chief and you got the mayor and you got, you know, somebody from marketing and you got all these people from other businesses and they're like, wow, I'm like, you know, I've seen this place, but I didn't know what was here. Yeah. And, and, you know, let go out and look on the, the city website. And, and, and like I said, I, I do this now because I work there. Like I, I, I wanted to go work here because you're doing a lot, you know, right. I want to be part of that team. And, I don't know. I, I know it's, it's stupid, but like, I think of Captain Planet. Like, <laughs> I think our director, he's Captain Planet. Yeah. I'm just like sticking my ring up in the air. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, you call and I serve. <laughs> but I promise, like, you know, people get upset about how high the bills are. Yeah. Go look at the electric bill for the treatment plant. Right. Do a sunshine request. Do that. If you're mad about the city's rates, you go do look at that electric bill. See how much they spend on electricity down there. Right. And I think that's that's a great a great point. Like I said, I have been when I was in college, and you're encouraging people to tour it. But I think if you contact your city and set it up, you can take school groups there, uh, church groups, whatever it is. But it's such an important piece of education because you're going to understand the impact that you're having, where your dollars are going, the, the tax money, the hardworking dollars that you're earning, where they're going. And it's going to give you a, a better appreciation that that money isn't going to your pocket, but it's it's going to a great thing so that people can continue to have clean showers and clean water and that we're not one of these third world countries that has to worry about where our next glass of water from because that is such a blessing. Um, it's been awesome to, to have you on. It's been a blessing to, to learn from you. We're so thankful yeah, for that. thank you both. And Brent, I just want to thank you for your passion. You know, I love that you're here locally where we're at so that I know that there is someone passionately working on clean water for the rest of us. So we need more people like you. Hey, yeah. I've, al- I've always thought like the, you know, you, you have this dream in your career and you get out there 
and God finds a path for you, right? Yeah. And you, you, you end up in it. And there's been times I'm like, you know what? I have a job that nobody cares about. And that's the coolest part. <laughs> I am not going to build a base. Like, I am not building Nix's new football stadium. Yeah. You know, it's not that's it's not visible but you know what i mean yeah. like i am not the engineer making the iphone but dang it like i care like nothing makes me more mad knowing that there was a sewer overflow yeah and you care to go fix it and, and without yeah. without people like you we're not going to have clean water but I, again I, I just want to iterate that people like you need to be sharing and educating like you have taken your time to do today so so thank you for doing that we appreciate you being on. If anybody has questions for Brandon, please reach out to us on Meant to Be Outdoors Facebook, uh, Instagram, or you can email us. We'd be sure to put you in contact with him. That is going to be it for this episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. We hope you enjoyed this interview. If you want to support the podcast financially, we would appreciate that so much. If you go to find our Patreon account, you can become a member and support us monthly. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Whatever platform you're listening to the podcast on, we hope you would hit that automatic download button. So we're getting credit for that download, but we really want you to take the next step and listen. We hope that you learned something. If you have show ideas, please send them to us. We'd love some topics that people are eager for to share with you. But until next time, we hope that you go outdoors and find some of that clean water to enjoy. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.